All right, Nadav Zamer, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. Super excited to have you on and very grateful where we're going to talk today about Web3 and education. Uh, Nadav is a former software engineer, physics and robotic teacher, book author, public speaker, and school principal, also known as Principal Z, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Nadav, welcome. Thank you, Sidri. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, tell us a, li- a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll get more into the NFT and Web3 space. I started what I didn't know was an NFT project in 1999. Um, we were combining media and um, value, right? Media and some kind of ownership and trying to figure it out. Um, at the time, we handed out magazines on CDs because the internet couldn't handle audio yet. Um, and we created an online tool for people to collaborate. It was just too early. We didn't have the word podcasting yet. So uh, I became a uh, consultant and then a teacher, uh, high school physics, robotics teacher. Um, that was a blast. Uh, we took first place. I mean, we beat the private schools. Like we beat everybody just with brute force. We lived at the studio, at the shop. You know, we, I was there 24-7 for six weeks, you know. Oh, um, yeah. So just brute force attack. And we made films about our, there was a film made about us and like started to understand media again and try again. I had been using it in my classroom as little podcasts about science, getting kids to engage and teach each other science on these little podcasts. And it was very effective um, in the robotics program. We use video kind of as a metacognitive thing to uh, which we know in education is important when you think about your learning, right? When you learn about your learning, when you step back and spend a little time in the balcony looking at what's happening in your life, you know. Um, And there's a community that's ancient of educators who know what authentic learning is, and they were around before industrial schooling, right? This is older, this is, you know, human learning. Um, And the industrial method made sense. It just doesn't anymore. Uh, And so it's time, it's education is one of the last industries to go, you know. Um, True. Right, right, right after factories. I thought they'd come first, but the factories came first, it seems. Um, and it's time. The technology is here. And now we have NFTs. We have the ability for a young person to create a piece of academic media and have it verified on our platform by three judges, pseudonymous judges, so they don't know who they are. Um, and we can create a gold standard credit that anybody can access. So we're not, we're like Uber has no cars or, you know, that whole thing. We have no schools. We're just a transcript but of performance-based data, not standardized testing data. That's all we are as a data company. And we're offering a transcript for in their NFTs. Each credit is an NFT, uh, essentially. And they minted in three phases, which we can talk about, whatever, all this stuff. But it's based on 20 years that I spent at the front lines. I worked for schools that had kids in high poverty, but then in a school that took all the kids from the other schools that wanted to kick them out. Because in public schools, we're not allowed to kick kids out. But they are allowed to give them to me if I ask for them. So I was the school that would receive all the kids that were behind and were supposed to have graduated two years ago. And um, and we put turn cameras on them or give them mics. And you, it's amazing what you know. They're brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I love how you kind of break it down. You say Web One brought publishing, download. Web Two brought sharing, download, and upload. And then Web Three brings ownership. Now, before we get too much into details, why do you think we need to pay attention to Web3, cryptos, NFTs, 
and obviously the, the whole blockchain and you could break it down how that's going to work in the education space. It's fundamentally, if you go under everything, and I'm an engineer, I'm a, I was, I got a degree in physics and how I, I have, I was raised by a father who taught me to think a certain way that later on I realized was very engineering. Um, but if you look at the base of the base, it's a ledger. That's all we're talking about here. It's a ledger that's not controlled by a state or a corporation, right? That's a right. radical concept. And that's all we're talking about. So the high school, what we realized is that a high school transcript is a ledger. That's when we had our kind of aha moment um, of how we could scale what I had been doing at one school and what my peers have been doing it and that continue to do today at other schools, um, but to how to scale that and offer that to any kid, that any kid should not be taught to attest, that they could be taught to actually making something of value um, and making a contribution, right? Um, and figuring out what their interests are and exploring, you know, like there's, it's the same skills of research and writing. It's the same skills that you, academics use, historians use, mathematicians use, but where the questions students are answering when they do homework are their own, you know? True. So will this ledger, and I know that you've created a blockchain, um, if, I have only in imagination. Um, in so in we, imagination, we okay. No, fair, fair we're enough. A DAO. Well, we've created, yeah. So we're a DAO. We have three accounts. There's an account for teachers. There's an account for the people building the DAO, what we are the DAO. And then there's an account for uh, interns and students that are um, building the DAO and that will, once we go live, have credits in the DAO and it switches over from interns to students. Um, and so the, we have a nonprofit that's funding the educator side and that's funding the building side. And we don't have the um, coin has been designed, but it's impossible to get engineers. And so we have to pay engineers. And so we're going to try to hire, but I don't know if we can, you know, we're going to see what we can do. We have um, a little bit of money. I, I know, see. So, yeah. I see. So this blockchain, is it on, on uh, or this DAO, will it be on like the Ethereum or Solana blockchain? Arweave, for the NFTs, we're building them on the Permaweb on Arweave, uh, just because that made sense with our values and, and I think what we think is sustainable and anti-fragile. Um, but again, it hasn't been built. We're trying, I'm working with Arweave and we're trying to get something off the ground, but I, I need, so we have some interns, we're going to see if they can do it, um, but we just don't have, we can't find engineers. They're all overbooked. So Gotcha. Yeah, of yeah. course, of course. And you're going to pay a pretty penny in this day right now. Yeah, because right, there's right. so much demand, but very little yeah. people that... And you have to find someone that's trustworthy, right? Because, um, yeah, there's many yeah. bad, bad actors out there too. Yeah. So, but we have an app, the app side, so the blockchain side, but we have a good, strong team building the app. Um, and that's what matters. We'll simulate the blockchain at first just to see if we get you know user platform fit which is what I prefer over, you know, product market. I think it's about users, not products. Um, but if, if we get, if we want to, we want to get out there and test this out and see if young people will start using it. It's up to them. They have to use it. They have to invest. They have to invest their time to put up good stuff without them doing that, without them getting to the point of this, without getting a, just the early adopters. I'm not saying a lot of kids just, you know, start with 2030, then go to hundred, right? Slowly, if we can start scaling up and then have the educators scale up at the same time, that's a very difficult balance and having waiting lists. Like, I don't know how we're going to do it. We're probably going to have to learn a lot. But of course, um, the idea is to get it out there into the wild quickly and then keep adding features. So we have a good team that's building that app side, um, which is exciting. So let's talk more about like practical stuff, like things that, you know, like what the students can do 
uh, that will happen on the blockchain or that will be on, on this ledger. So for example, transcripts, yeah. right? Like they're, they'll be able to view their transcripts or their, their transcripts can be like changed, right? Once they're on this blockchain, correct? What yeah, are some see, other yeah. uses that, that students will be able to do? Well, so if you just imagine the ecosystem, if, imagine a, you know, every term there will be a credit that kind of goes viral, right? And some, some teacher somewhere wrote this thing and thought this would be a good experience for a month. And then kids everywhere start studying the foster care system or start whatever it is that they get interested in, you know? Um, it's, I don't know what kids can do, but I know, the, I know the kids, and we're only talking about the last two years of high school. Some kids might be 14, you know, some kids might be way ahead. I don't know what's possible, but we're just saying you're, the last two years you expect to spend in secondary before you go to college, university, or job, the last two years of the K to 12 journey is what we're documenting, nothing before. Um, for that community, right, they would, they would find value in this because they, we hope they would be able to opt for uploading a, a podcast or video every month of 10 minutes instead of taking an AP test. So at the end, there are like 10 videos or five, whatever it is, a number of videos on topics that align to the curriculum of the standardized test. But then instead of sitting down and taking a test at the very end of it for an hour, um, they upload content and that that content is evaluated, you know, based on a rubric. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love it. I love it. Um, and you talk about the rewarding them, right? By giving them, let's say, a, a reward, you know, to this DAO or, you know, a cryptocurrency. How would that right. work? So because I give a lot of money to the nonprofit, I can't be involved um, in the nonprofit arm or the educator arm. I'm only in the crypto side with the kids. So the way we get rewarded, the interns and then the students, I get 30%, they share the other 70%. Um, they, uh, the value of these coins is based on one thing, that our output, that the stream of media coming off our platform is as diverse as our community at large. I so see. how do we do that? We go by zip code as a proxy right now because your community roughly estimates, you know, different groups of people socioeconomically. So we say if in a city there is certain zip codes that don't earn these credits, none of you can get the crypto. But if you get one kid at each zip or in the most zip codes, so students put together a block of these media segments to create. And that's how they mint the block. And that's how they get the crypto. By putting together a block, the block has to be diverse. They submit a block and say these 10 videos, we all sign off. And we say evaluate it. And if it's the most diverse ones on the platform, they get the crypto and they get 25 years, a thousand of these tokens in their wallet every month for 25 years. That's how the crypto is distributed to them. That's the economic policy to get it into circulation. So the first kids, their shit will be worth a lot sooner, worth a lot more, a lot sooner than because it's higher risk. They're just getting into the platform first. So we're incentivizing the early adopters. Um, we want them to create some great stuff. And I, we don't know what they're going to create, but it's going to be the kids that have to lead this. We're just creating the technology to empower them to do that. I love it that you're moving into the content creation space because we obviously know advertising is like, you know, it is all focused on content creators. And that that's obviously going to be the future. And consumers, and consumers. Uh, right, exactly. And consumers, exactly. And it's a very key distinction. We either educate them to be consumers with standardized thinking, or we educate them to be the you know, producers. Which side do you want to be on economically? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're definitely ahead of the game on this. One question: who would evaluate their their videos or their their yeah. content creation? Is there like a decentralized system or yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's real simple. 
Um, each credit you are a, each credit requires a student and a teacher. They can choose their their uncle to be their teacher, even if they're in a class in school. If that person's tutoring them and helping them, or they can they the student gets to choose who this person is. But people, somebody gets chosen as their teacher. If that teacher, when they upload their video and the teacher says, yes, I think this is ready for upload. If every time that they say yes, the judges say yes, right? It's a normalizing, instead of standardizing, we're normalizing practice. So if, the, if you assume that there are judges in place and you jump in you know, ahead when it's already running, there are judges in place. And if you agree with their judgment for a certain period of time, then you're in. Okay, you know how to judge these credits. You prove it by doing it. Um, and those people that earn it, why would a teacher want to put in that time and invest in the platform to get there? Well, if you're one of these um, credit experts, you make 150 bucks an hour to evaluate credits on the app on your free time. And you put in each month, here's how many I want this month. And by the end of the month, you have to have evaluated those, that number. And that's, um, that's it. And you get 150 bucks. Now we're not talking about crypto. We're talking about Venmo in your wallet, right? Um, so the teachers get cash up front. The builders get uh, cash in the future and the students get this crypto. So interesting. So interesting. I, I love, love, love the whole concept because it's keeping everyone accountable. And obviously, you know, like everyone has a reward to look forward to. Yeah. There's a um, dirty secret in education that nobody talks about. It's seriously, it's like taboo to talk about, but that a school's quality has to do with the kids that are there and their parents and their communities that they go home to. That's what determines the, you know, the performance on anything of a school is who the kids are before they walk in, right? And then teachers are expected to fix society's problems. And when they don't, we punish them. Um, but if you, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. But it doesn't have to be set up that way, right? It's a way we ended up setting things up for an industrial society and standardizing everything. And we can, um, we, we have all the technology. There's nothing new to learn about education to go back to what worked before. You know, <laughs> there's yep. no reason um, not to. So um, I think this is going to happen. I don't know. Maybe somebody else is going to steal this idea. Like I, I see this happening with NFTs that... Um, the non-transferable, non-fungible tokens, the NTNFTs, so that a kid can't sell this to another kid to make, you know, to help them graduate, right? So you can't transfer these credits. It's not about selling them. Their value doesn't come from trading them, right? Um, the value comes from earning them and having them like, like that you went to a concert and 20 years later, it's a famous concert. And you're like, or that ball game. And you're like, I was at that, you know, at that, you know, whatever it is, perfect pitching game or whatever it is that people are into, right? So these non-transferable NFTs, I think, um, are just barely, you know, like we're at the very front edge of this. And being a DAO, we're at the very front edge. We're, we're falling on our faces and failing all the time. Um, but I see something, I see it growing around us, and I feel like we're part of something. Where would these NFTs be viewed once they're released or published right. or approved? By and the how NFT? do we make money, right? It links to how we make money. So an NFT has the media segment. Those aren't more than 10 minutes. Um, and then it has metadata, right? About who produced it. It could be race, ethnicity stuff. It could be where they live, zip code stuff. It could be whatever you want to collect as the metadata. Um, and that's where the value in our company is. We're a data company. So we sell that metadata to universities. Once we're big enough to have enough data, people would want to buy our data to study it and see who, where are these credits being earned because they're predictors of communities that are ready for, you know, the Web3 generation. Um, or something they find it correlates to after we get some data, right? So it's that data. So you can go on our app and you asked, how do we, who watches these? How do you, you can go on our app and watch all the content and the people that write the credits can even use the content. So if you're a podcaster and you put up a podcasting credit, because you want a bunch of students to report on something that you can use in your show, 
um, if you write that credit, you get exclusive rights to that media for three months, and then anybody can use it to, and you can, you know, do what you want as long as you play it in its entirety. You're not allowed to take segments out. So it's one of these, gotcha. you know, common law agreements. But um, yeah, so it's anybody could watch it on the platform, but you don't know anything about the producers or the teachers. If you want any of the data, you have to pay us for a month, an annual data subscription. I see. I see. I see. I see. Do you expect any, I mean, this is obviously a very unregulated field, you know, the NFTs, Web3, crypto. Do you expect any like pushback from regulators and how would you overcome it? Yeah, so this will only, it's the opposite. So the way our whole platform works is we front end evaluation. And it, this is going to be relevant to what you're saying. I'm stepping back a bit to something else, but it's very relevant. So the way we evaluate a credit, I said those three steps, is first a kid has to put skin in the game. So they have to stake, right? To stake a credit, to say you want to get a credit, you have to study something, read a book, do something. There's a, there's a folder of stuff and you have to choose a certain amount of it and show that you, you mastered that content. That's how you start it. So you cram for the test at the beginning, right? And then you get to have access to the credit. That way don't waste your time. Because I don't want to tell you at the end when you put in a month of work to tell you, hey, you couldn't, you didn't have the chops to do this, man. You know, it's like you, you were in, like you want to tell them at the beginning, no, you're, you're either invested in this and you're on board and you get what you're doing and we're on, you know, we're doing this together. So it has to start there and the students have to show up and do that. That's first, but it's on the front end, right? Um, sorry, remind me what you asked and then I can remember. Yeah, no, do, 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 you, do you expect any like pushback from regulators? I mean, right. we're, we're still early so if on. Students, so if this is growing because of students and parents and families wanting to um, opt out of the industrial system, um, they're going to have to answer to them, not to me, right? That's the beauty of a decentralized system. If there's a community that starts using this, then they're not, I'm not, there's nobody, I'm, it's not me. I mean, I'm, I'm long gone from this thing, right? This is a decentralized thing that's already bigger than I am. Um, and it's going to have to stand on its own two feet, right? But um, how will politicians respond to, to parents and students that organize via an app like this to show their chops, to show how good their stuff is? Because I know as a principal for many years, as the administrator who was the one that was the, the, the man, right? Um, who people would ask if they're worried about my pushback, right? That was my role is to be an administrator. If somebody from the state came to audit my credits, I would show them a page that's the syllabus and I would show them the student's attendance maybe. But for a for imagine right now, a state regular comes in and says, I want to see evidence that that was a real credit. And you play them a freaking 10 minute video that make they, they're crying at the end of it, you know? Like the regulators have never seen anything like this. And this happened when I had my school. People would walk into my school that were supposed to come evaluate me. And you could see there was magic. You know, the kids would be interviewing you and there are videos everywhere and they're making podcasts and there's a recording studio. I mean, it was a lively place of intellectual, right? And kids wow. that didn't know how to read or write could use a microphone because they don't know how to read. They just need a microphone. They're really good at listening. They're really good at asking questions. So the regulators are human beings. And when they see something like this, they'll be moved like every human being will be moved. But we need the kids to, to get it going. Exactly. What's the name of the app? hs.credit. hs.credit. The website, pardon the website, we're getting a new one up that's just going to be three videos that will go. It's a terrible website right now, a lot of words. That's um, fine. Yeah, but from the book to a website, we ended up on something with very wordy in the middle. We'll get there. Beautiful, beautiful. You say um, you want to end standardized testing in New York City high schools by 2040. Is that yeah. realistic? Can it happen? Uh, it's it's going to have it's going to either happen way before that or it's not going to happen. But it's moving faster. I I said that before I saw what was happening and things are 
the way the world is moving right now and the way people are learning about this technology and understanding the democratic, you know, small d democratic uh, or decentralized or whatever you want to call it, grassroots, um, you know, the way that something's happening, right, with ownership going into digital format. Um, and so I can't predict how, what it's going to look like. I can't tell you, but I know that education is going to be touched by it. I agree. I totally agree. What do you think of the future of the classroom space? And we can tie it after to the metaverse. Like you still believe no, in it? I don't think it has to change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Teachers. So teachers are coaches, <laughs> right? They're coaches for media production houses, right? Or podcasting studios or whatever. They're coaches. They're catalysts is what I like to call them. They accelerate the learning. They reduce the friction. I get. I have a coach to work out. I mean, I'm fat, but somebody that helps me stay so that I don't have pain and that I'm strong enough to, you know, hold up all my fat because I got, go to her and she just tells me what to do. I don't have to do all the research about how my leg works. And, you know, like I trust her and she tells me what to do. And it's so nice. Just somebody tells you what to do and you do it and then you're exhausted. Um, so coaches are really helpful and some kids can do it without a coach. And that's amazing too, right? Or do it together, or do it with an uncle, whatever. We're going to discover new formations where an uncle is going to show up where a bunch of kids in the neighborhood are using them for tutoring. Suddenly they're going to be making 150 bucks an hour on the side as a, as a coach, right? And I think the platform, we have some, some concerns about, um, you know, creeps and stuff like that. So there's no visual, you would be seeing each other's screens and coaching on academic subjects. Um, and, and so there's have to be some restrictions. This isn't, this isn't the schoolyard. This isn't the, it's, a, it's the library, you know, it's academic stuff. So it's a, a little sterile academic, how academic is, but it's not industrialized. You're not being told to fit in a certain box, you're told to make a box and have us evaluate it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm, a, I'm personally a big fan of the classroom settings and meeting in person, but also invested in Decentraland or Metaverse. Uh, and I think that also is the future. Like how can we prepare our students for the Metaverse, right? And right. what do you think? There's gonna be nothing of- different or new right? It's just going to be, everybody has access to all of it is the difference is that what my, what, you know, somebody that went to a private school versus, you know, that everybody's now going to have access to similar experiences. Um, but the, you know, it's that whole thing of the future is just, you know, not even equally evenly distributed kind of thing. Um, it's just going to give us access. So um, you can look around the technology, like education technology, how the brain works, like everything we're learning, it's pretty consistent. The stuff doesn't change much, you know, it's metacognition, caring about a topic, making connections to other topics, you know, like it's just the human brain at work. If you give it time and space to be creative and, you know, generate actual real original thought. Um, so it, we're, we're excited that kids are going to get to experience high school as this magical time again of intellectual discovery rather than what it is now where they're told to sit down and shut up, you know. <laughs> don't go to the bathroom so do you do you foresee it as the vr with a vr type of you know if the uh, kids are into that same percentage of nerds that are into that now will be into that then i mean gamers if you look you know like a lot of them yeah i i think there will be quite a, i don't but i don't i'm i've always been wrong about predicting about those things i never thought somebody would watch a movie on something the size of their phone i thought that was ridiculous <laughs> right um you know i had friends in college who knew very early that that mobile was going to happen and i you know yeah couldn't believe it so i'm the wrong person to ask for predictions about the future yeah i just well, look I'm- at what's already happened and you can see what's already happened with you know with with crypto with bitcoin there's you know it's um it's already here it's not questionable 
another prediction another prediction is metaverse the future what do you think are are video games the future what do you think well definitely especially if yeah. they're you know <laughs> if, if so then yes then metaverse the is the future if especially if the end consumer is being paid right so uh especially if the end consumer is being paid right exactly like the like the pay for play type of games, right? Uh, there's there's a lot of them out there where, I mean, some of them, I think they'll reward you in crypto too. Um, I'm hoping so. to see more incentives to incentivize people to get away from screens and interact with nature and do things in the real world and incentivize and track it and social it and, you know, whatever. But I'm, I think we are craving some organic matter in our lives that's not um, sure. simulation. So I'm not a huge fan. I think it's good for what it's good for. It should be a tool in your back pocket. And it's a beautiful one. These phones are amazing Swiss Army knives um, that go deep yep. and cut, you know, and do some amazing work. Um, I think, you know, some of the therapy services that are available now, and there's some amazing things happening socially as human animals. Um, yeah, so I, I have no totally idea what's going to happen with, with all that. But it's one more tool, I hope, and we have access to it. I hope everybody has access to it. Yeah, exactly. Well, Mark Zuckerberg definitely believes in it. So he's spending billions. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I think, I think, like you said, uh, you know, for me as, you know, a, a loan officer or real estate industry professional, you know, for us, it will be another way of meeting with people, right? Instead of doing these Zoom calls like this, you maybe right. put on a, a headset, an Oculus or whatever it is some type of you know uh wearable and all of a sudden you're in a different environment right and you're meeting somebody in hawaii or in europe or wherever they are but it will feel more more real i think it will have an impact on the way we communicate with with each other and and we yeah it'll be an improvement to what we have now for sure exactly but it's not going to be like majority of our day i mean if it is then there's going to be something wrong I, i'm I'm with okay. you i'm still about the in-person physical nature being out there right exploring yeah. things so no totally with you on that in balance everything in balance including all the vr stuff i love it it's it's incredible to be able to not have to fly and do all the stupid hotel like to be able to attend a conference with 30 minutes notice and see all these people walking around in these virtual lands it's really helpful i think it's great stuff so you were part of the um uh miami event last year yeah yeah that's right how, mm -hmm. how was that oh it was Bitcoin. amazing it was yeah it was incredible um the whole thing was incredible designing the um, I had one of the keynotes and just designing the visuals was amazing. Worked with this artist in Argentina, who I really love her work to visually show what we're talking about um, and how the kids work. And uh, yeah, the whole it. thing was a great, it was a great experience. I made friendships there that I've had, you know, there are people that I met at that conference that are working with me on HOS credit. Some of them, as a matter of fact. I love it. I love it. Wow. So you spoke about this project back then. Yeah. In 2021. Yeah. That was the beginning of the DAO. That's when I was first launching the DAO was that speech was the big first invitations to people to um, participate in this. And I was and I offered certain training over that summer. And then we had a one month kind of bonding training uh, that we kicked everything off. And we've been meeting twice a week ever since. Congratulations. Any other events for this year that you would recommend or that you're attending? Ooh, any events? That's a great question. Um, I would have to get back to you and look, because I think there must be, there must be some things that there are some groups that I, I follow that I haven't read. I've got to catch up on that. I think would have some answers to that, but I don't off the top of my head. Um, my life has become very localized 
Um, I retired from being a full-time principal. So I'm, you know, like in, enjoying retirement life while starting HS credit, while launching this project. So you. it's been a very full life, spent time in Argentina, um, have, you know, family from Israel here. And it's, uh, yeah, it's nice to be with family so much more. And it gives oh, me some grounding in, in what I'm doing and reminding me why I'm doing it, you know? Exactly. We're, we're blessed for our families. I mean, I live Amen. in Boston, so if it wasn't for family, I would, would have probably been in Florida or California, <laughs> yeah, somewhere yeah. warmer. So, but yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, warmer. It's, it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have them. And, you know, I remind myself that it, it's all about the family. I mean, they're definitely our biggest supporter and yeah, yeah it, right. it reminds us, you know, and our first bullshit test, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um any re do you have any not investment advice but what what are you buying into in terms of crypto or nfts anything yeah. that has you know piqued your interest recently oh totally yeah not investment advice i'm not it's not allowed to be investment exactly. advice but um i i was a bitcoin maxi um i was anti nfts even frankly but until we realized that that's what we've been doing, working on the whole time, combining media and capital is an NFT. It took me a while to accept that. Um, so I was a Bitcoin maxi. And uh, but then I, I am actually now very into Luna and Arweave just functionally. I think Arweave is incredible. I don't know as a for the for the investment in terms of money, but investment of time and, and technology and development. And I think Luna, the Luna ecosystem and the Red Bank and all the things, all the crazy stuff, stuff they're creating there. It's a wild west of you know, of, of the, all the mirror assets. And uh, I think that is, that is what to watch. If you can understand the Luna ecosystem, um, you will invest in a way that will make you money. You'll be smarter than me because I don't understand it all yet. I'll do some more research. Honestly, I haven't looked much into it. Um, yeah. I invest in NFTs. I mean, I was lucky enough to get in early on VFriends uh, mm. and, you know, like the Centerland, yeah. which they took off after. Uh, and their currency mana uh so yeah. yeah still still invested in them i think gary v has been a a big component of the NF nft space and uh i think he's investing a lot of time a lot of money in, into v friends um you know so and 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 i i think you know like his brand is only going to get bigger um yeah but in terms of you know like i'm I'm not investing in like, like the riskier assets, you know, of crypto. Like oh, I'm yes, mostly, you are. <laughs> in, yeah, I'm I'm investing more in like Bitcoin, Ethereum. But you're Litecoin. smart. I mean, to you, if they don't feel risky to you, it's because you have a level of comfort and understanding that um, other people don't have, right? So to you, it might not look risky, but to us, it does. And other people feel that way with me about Bitcoin. You know, like I say, I'm not into risky investments. I'm in Bitcoin. They laugh, you know. <laughs> so I get that there's <laughs> a there's a whole range of um, yeah, I'm more interested. My goal is to have our, can you imagine if high school credit became in terms of the nonprofit wing that funds both the teachers and the development of the platform? Um, if that nonprofit became the darling nonprofit of the crypto whales or the crypto minnows, I don't care of one group of crypto, you know, people, if they decide, okay, my tax deductible in the U S or just my social good donations or whatever, um, we could have a war chest to take down any testing company. You know, like we, there's nobody could stop us um, because we'd be able to support the kids, right? We'd be able to make partnerships with, uh, you know, and and actually offer this as an alternative and get the, have the teams that reach out to universities so that universities all have said that they will accept that, you know, there's work to be done. Um, 
So that's my goal is that the crypto community um, sees that this is the highest leverage play. The highest leverage play with your money is education. And the highest leverage play in education is to evaluate which kids are ready for Web3, right? And reward them. Uh, right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, we have to continue learning. We have to continue educating, you know, the kids and obviously have to having, continue educating us because <laughs> that's having these happens. conversations. Exactly. Like, like yeah. we're yes. doing and thank right you for now. this opportunity. Exactly. Big, big opportunities. And I think eventually you're, you're right. I mean, education has been left behind, but I think everything down the road will be on some sort of blockchain you know like youtube videos i think everything will just be out of the hands of the state and the politicians who are incentivized to water them out of their hands so that they don't keep printing credits like they do dollars and watering them down into <laughs> the hands of somebody that right seriously that's paid I agree. to maintain them it's just change your freaking incentives you know i as a principal i was incentivized to do certain things you know like it's there it's uh yeah yeah it's no no it's i just, I'm, um, I'm, you change I'm incentives you. and people adjust their behaviors um yeah it, it's an interesting moment to see that we now have that opportunity, right? Of that students can be the base of investors and we're not leeching them for, with advertising where it's the quality of their work. That's actually the asset that we, you know, put on a blockchain. Um, that's pretty exciting for them to be able to own their work that way and then promote it. And then, you know, make, know that they have a real audience that's looking or trying to build an audience. It's a different way to write, to do a piece of homework when you're publishing it, you know, and when, when you have, an editing board that you're going to go through, you know, it's a different level of quality. It's probably better than CNN, frankly, because the teachers are going to be better fact checkers than some of these, you know, media companies we have. Yeah. And they're, they're like authors from the get-go, right? Like they're yeah. content creators since like what, 14, 15 years old. Right. So yeah, exactly. And we're getting them at the end of that journey when they're really good. Right. So we're cheating a little bit to get these credits to be gold standard. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, before we take off, I want to thank you again. Um, mm. Where can other people follow your project? Where can they follow you and support you? So uh, web one, keep looking at hs.credit. Um, it'll, a new site will be coming shortly. Those videos and feedback and whatever contributions to um, make that happen. Web two Z, like zebra Z, at hs.credit is my email. So if you want to come back to me, you know, and not just not just download information, but upload and share, z at hs.credit is the best way. We're right now onboarding our interns for our summer cycle. So that's going to start May to October. We have a, a build cycle um, that uh, a lot of interns participate in. Um, so we have that start. Yeah. So uh, if you want to mentor, and what here's, let me just tell you quickly what a mentor means. It's a few hours a week, three hours a week or something, being one meeting with the mentee. For an hour, just checking with them. That's most of what you have to do. Answer some emails. That's the rest of it. But to get for the for the mentee to ask you for something, they have to show what they already did to try to find it that they couldn't find it, right? That they tried with each other and with whatever resources they had, what they did and that they're now stuck on. So you don't get, you shouldn't get too much incoming from them. Um, and then you spend a little time to mentor them because it's a college kid trying to figure out what to do with their life, you know? Um, that's it. So two hours a week, I think. Um, and we need mentors in software. That's where we need mentors. We have these graduate students who have some experience who are trying to start writing the code for our blockchain. And they want to know when they get stuck that they have somebody somewhere to go. And I don't have enough people for that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, you're tons also... of interns though, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you may need to also hire like a uh, hiring company or, you know, like 
uh, you know, there there's many out there, right? That that can yeah. do the recruiting for you if if it becomes like you know eventually yeah. if you're going yeah for the scale, mentors maybe yeah yeah, yeah you, you, you may need to get of, a recruiter yeah that's a good idea. Um, you're also on Twitter, LinkedIn. Yeah, I'll I'll put yeah. it on the on the show notes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, all of those things. I'm N Zemmer for all of those, but my name is a little weird. So Z at HS credit is easier. Got it. Got it. Beautiful. Well, I appreciate you. This has been thought provoking. It's been super interesting. I hope we can carry this conversation in another podcast. And Great. thanks again. When we launch. Yeah. Thank yeah. you again. I Let's appreciate it. you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Your support means so much to me. And one way for you to support me is by following this podcast and liking this episode and also by leaving a review. In addition, don't forget to check out my Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube at sidrit.veseli for more daily content. If there's anything I can help you with, message me directly on any of my platforms. Thank you and talk to you soon.